Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler. Joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? Hey, Ed, how's it going, man? How is your uh, week and I should say, spent some time in <laughs> yeah. uh, New York? How was that? Yeah, it was good. Um, I got to go to Long Island uh, over weekend, and it was a it was a different change of a. Uh, Nice change of pace. I got to see some things that I'd never seen before out there. And it, it was a really great time. And yeah, we, we both did some traveling. You were in Memphis, so you were in uh you were in Job Morant's backyard. How was that? Yes. It was good. Um hot. Yeah. Memphis <laughs> the South is hot as hell. Uh I think it was like hundred and thirteen it was like hundred and thirteen degrees uh on Saturday. It was boiling. Uh and but we got we had fun. Like I said, I was telling you before we were recording, and I went I went and saw uh, the Lorraine Motel, the the Civil Rights Museum, mm-hmm. where Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Um, that was uh, that was really good experience. Uh, historically, you know, getting a lot of uh, uh, seeing a lot of stuff there. Went to the Soul uh, Stax Museum the, for soul music. Uh, went to Graceland. That was uh, interesting. Um, yeah, just a lot of fun. Beale Street, a lot of the barbecue joints there, bars. It was pretty nice, man. It's like, it's really cool. Uh, I was, I did take, I did go because, um, the FedEx form is on Beale Street. So, yeah, I, I did go there and uh, check it out just to see it. Uh, I didn't get, I didn't get to go inside, but it was, it was fun still, though. But it was, uh, it was fun getting away and just chilling and not having to work. No, that that sounds great, man. Yeah, we we went on vacation and uh, we were we were texting about whether or not we thought the Bulls would actually make a move in the draft. Would they trade in and uh, or would they do anything significant otherwise? And they actually did. They didn't do anything like crazy significant, but uh, trading into the draft and selecting Julian Phillips in the second round with a thirty fifth uh, pick overall uh, was very noteworthy. Uh, I, I think there was a little bit of uh, confusion, I guess, amongst the Bulls, uh, amongst Bulls fans about the pick and about the type of player that they selected to trade in. Uh, so we're going to get into that and we're going to uh, discuss the draft in full. We're going to talk about what we can potentially expect from this team uh, in free agency as well. And the team made some other moves as well, signing a few players to some two-way contracts too. So, uh, we're going to get into that, and uh, we're also going to discuss the uh, presser after the draft as well. So, uh, joining us uh, on today's show uh, for the first time, he covers the Bulls for the Athletic. Uh, he, he's one of the he, he's one of the like top voices I think that Bulls fans will follow. Always writes phenomenal articles on the Athletic. If you aren't reading them, you should be reading them. Uh, Darnell Mayberry, Darnell, thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, 100%. Darnell, you know, like I've told you in private, like you're one of my favorite covering the team just because you give such an unbiased view of the polls a lot of times. You know, we all get wrapped up in our our (laughs) C-Red, you know, you know, a little, uh, what do you call it, the echo chamber. So it's good to have, you know, someone that's not 
looking at the team to the eyes of a fan. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, not trying to say other beat writers don't. There are a lot of people that keep it, you know, even keel, but I, I definitely love a lot of things you say. And that's, I agree with a lot of stuff you say too, most of the time. So I think maybe that's my bias there. That like <laughs> you, you and me are on the same wavelength. A lot of times, like, yeah, Darnell's right on, man. Like, exactly what I'm thinking. So, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate it. It's a privilege to have you on. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for that. And it's, it's guys like you, uh, passionate Bulls fans who keep me going and, and doing this. Uh, so, so I appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course. Oh, we, we enjoy reading sure. you. And like I said, you're, you're one of the, the top follows, I think on Chicago Bulls Twitter. So we, we, we're always looking for you to, to make sense of a lot of things that are going on. And I, I think, this time right now is such a, a great time for that type of perspective because there are there's really a lot of confusion about I think what the Bulls are doing or maybe some skepticism about the long term plan for his team. Of course, it's long stated that the team doesn't really have a whole lot of cap flexibility right now, so they they can't really make a ton of moves in free agency. Their trade aspects are kind of uh, bleak right now as well, and they have some veterans who are a few veterans who are kind of like on the downside of their career. And then they have a really great player in Zach Levine who, uh, you know, he's an all-star, but we don't know if his long-term future is going to be in Chicago. So uh, seeing this team trading into the draft to select Julian Phillips, we don't, I don't think we know the, the actual compensation yet. I think it was a few second rounders, but I don't think, I don't think we know like, like what years those are. I don't think the trade is actually even official yet, but we know Julian Fields will be playing for the Chicago Bulls. So Darnell, like when this move happened, what were your immediate thoughts? Like, were you surprised? And did you think that Phillips overall was the type of player that I, I think there's been some criticism that fans look at him as, and rightfully so, like looking at him as a defensive minded player who has his offense has to come together over the long term, 19 years old. So he's a little bit of a project in some aspects. What did you think of of this move when it went down on draft night? I loved the action that the Bulls took. Um, I don't know Julian Phillips. I've never seen him play a second of basketball. But I do love the fact that the Bulls front office took action and despite walking into the draft without a draft pick, they came out with an asset uh, who appears to be uh, a, a good young prospect, only 19 years old, seems to have good upside athleticism. So I applaud them for that. Um, they could have easily set out and not made a move in the draft after not making a move at the deadline after doing very little in free agency last summer uh, and not making a move at the deadline some, the, the deadline before last. So, um, you know, I, I do applaud them. I don't know if it matters what Julian Phillips does this year. I, I'd like to see him get some minutes, but um, the Bulls needed to do something, and they did something, but it wasn't just a move. I mean, they're, they're adding – to their collection of young talent now when you look at Kobe White, Ayo Desumu, uh, Patrick Williams, Dalen Terry, and now Justin Phillips, Julian Phillips. I keep thinking of Justin Lewis. Yeah. Um, but you could throw him in the mix too. So um, who knows if all of these guys will, will be here long term or, you know, how long they might be here. But um, I like what the, what the front office appears to be doing in amassing some young talent. They definitely have a type, right? Like when you're naming all these player, young players, they're outside of Kobe White, who they didn't draft themselves, but all the other players that we're talking about, they're very similar as far as like they have like a long wingspan. They're six, seven, six, eight range for the most part. I was a little t shorter than that, but like he still has the long uh, arms, if you will. And a lot of them don't really have shooting as a skill coming into the league. Um, and I know that was a lot of problem with the Bulls. Obviously, we've all talked about it. Shooting is an issue. 
Uh, what were your thoughts when you considered them going into the draft, selecting a Julian Phillips that, again, will need a lot of work on his shooting? Because defensively, he'll, they even mentioned it, defensively, they expect him to be able to defend right away at, at the NBA level. But offensively, it's the other question is, will he be able to contribute anything there? And shooting, obviously, is a prime example of the Bulls' need. So what are your thoughts on that as far as them drafting somebody that, again, they need to develop shooting-wise? It's not ideal, but, you know, if it was ideal, he wouldn't have been available at the 35th pick. And I think a lot of times fans and the media and and I think front offices even look at players and analyze and evaluate what they can't do as opposed to what they do well. And that can lead to trouble, especially if you're the decision maker, um, as we've seen now with Wendell Carter Jr. being traded, Larry Markin being traded, and others um, prematurely probably. Um, so to me, you know, yes, he needs to learn how to shoot, but um, I look at what he does and try to picture how he can fit in the team or in the roster with the things that he does do well. Um, and you look at athleticism, uh, finishing ability, um, and the main thing is the defense ability. You can see sort of the vision of what the, the front office is trying to do by uh, collecting these long, athletic, energy, um, defensive-minded players who can just wreak havoc on any opponent on any given night. Um, these guys guys obviously have to grow into themselves, but um, I don't think it's a bad strategy to collect a bunch of six, 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 seven, six, eight guys who can fly all all over the court. Yeah, I yeah, I I think what you know. And I, like you, I didn't have a lot of background on Julian Phillips. I'm not a big draft like guy that really gets deep into a lot of these young players in, in the draft. And I asked around a lot of people that I do know that are that do cover the draft, and you kind of get the feeling that he his shooting can be fixed. Like he has good touch when you look at especially his free throw percentage. He shot like 82 percent at the free throw line. And somebody mentioned Corey, uh, Corey Tulliba, who we've had who covers the draft um, for no ceiling. He mentioned like he changed his shooting base for the worse. Um, a lot of different positive things he mentioned about uh, Julian Phillips, where he was interviewing uh, players that mentioned that off off the record mentioned that, you know, they were surprised that he wasn't getting a little bit more. Uh, talk going into the draft so there's definitely positives there but the development is going to be key and like how that's the other thing i want to curious to ask you how concerned are you about the bulls player development obviously like they did add pete pete, uh, pete Patton, um but so far like development for some of these young guys has been pretty slow uh what are your concerns with the development side of, of getting some of these young guys who are raw yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself, and the track record isn't good, um, and that's that's the problem. Um, you know, even you look at Ayo Desumu, and he had a great rookie season uh, as a sleeper pick in the second round, and then he uh, really struggles in his second season. And you, you have to think, ask yourself, is that how much of that is on Ayo and how much of that is on the franchise? Um, you know, Kobe White is another one who has had some ups and downs over his the trajectory of his career. And so we've already seen, as I mentioned earlier, Wendell Carter Jr. and, and Larry Markin and go through those similar ups and downs here in Chicago before going on to flourish elsewhere. So um, it's not ideal. It's not a good track record. Um, but I'm curious to see how the Bulls sort of dig their way out of it. I mean, it doesn't look like they're so far, you know, by trading some of those guys, they weren't committed to player development uh, after saying that they were when they came in. And now they're drafting uh, these young guys and hoping that they do develop. But then you see Dalen Terry get only 214 minutes last year and Marco Simonovich barely get on the floor um, at all uh, over a pair, couple seasons. So um, it's not great. Yeah, I, I, I think 
the player development aspect, it is something that I, I really hope hope can improve long term. And when we're when we're looking at Julian Phillips, I, I think the one thing that really sticks like sticks out to me is that even though and Salim talked about it, even though like the concerns about his shooting overall, if you look at like his totals during the season, he shot a really low volume of threes during the season. I think he was like eleven for forty six or something like that. So and and that was like twenty three percent, but the difference between that and shooting like thirty five or thirty six percent it's like five three pointers. So even with that, like it, it, it's a workable. I, I think he has a really workable like form, and I'm glad that the Bulls have dedicated some resources to bringing in a coach who can hopefully work with players like Terry and Lewis and uh, and Phillips. But like you said, uh, Darnell, his his defensive ability, which he had a really strong impact on one of the best defensive teams in the country on Tennessee. I think they were like plus twenty with him. Uh, on the floor defensively, which is insane, and just you see his ability to 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 cover so much space really quickly. He's long, athletic, like explosive, like pays great attention on the defensive end. His ability on that end to potentially guard like one through four is just insane. Like gives you so much versatility to really switch in this league. So I can I can definitely see the uh, the inspiration behind it. I think. What's interesting to me, though, is given all of the, all of this discussion about retool versus rebuild, it, it's really setting themselves up almost kind of like for a fail safe, right? With with all of these young players and being able to have like Pat, Io, uh, Phillips, Lewis, uh, you know, Dalen is uh, all on the same team and being able to prioritize that long term. So overall, like, do you feel? Do you feel that the Bulls, I mean, mean, it's not like a great collection of young talent, but like, are you confident in these players being able to actually start to produce next season? Like, do you think that we'll see another jump from Patrick Williams? Do you think if Kobe White comes back, will he take another jump? Like, will Io bounce back? Like, do, do you think these players can be on the right track going forward? Yeah, I might be crazy for thinking it, but I do think that the the players that they have, I don't think they're, for the most part, the the problem. Mm. Um, I think that's a good collection of young players. We're seeing that. Uh, this is the third time I mentioned Wendell Carter and, and Larry Markin being traded, but we're seeing that in some of the players who've gotten away. I mean, they, they've had talent come through here. If Kobe White gets away this summer, I think Bulls fans are going to say, why did they let him get get away? <laughs> yeah. uh, if Ayo DeSumo gets away, I think they'll be saying the same thing. So, um, you know, Dalen Terry has, has has shown us flashes in his 214 minutes that he can play um, a role. Not saying he's going to be a star. Any of them are going to be stars, but um, individually, I think all of them are capable of playing a role. And I do think Pat Williams of of all of those guys you mentioned has the biggest potential to take a big step. And um, I'm kind of tired of waiting for him to do it. <laughs> a lot of us are, but uh, you know, I do think that he's what he showed the second half of the season was impressive to me in the way he was kind of coming out of his shell and coming into his own uh, on the court. Yeah, he's he's uh, actually like I think he's played like a game or two in this like local tournament here in uh, Charlotte, and uh, in the last couple of weeks and. From from what I've been reading and seeing, like he he looks like in great shape right now, and he looks just kind of zoned. I mean, granted, it's pickup ball, but uh, he, he, say he, save it for November, save it. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Right. But I mean, hey, we're 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 almost back, yeah, like we're we're almost at summer league. So like this is that time of the year where it's like, hey, you know, they're playing street ball, they're playing pickup ball, they're in the gym, you know, doing two days, whatever, whatever. And hey, Pat is Pat is taking it seriously, and I think some of that those workouts with Demar are starting to pay off. But yeah, we we've been. We've been very patiently waiting. Like Salim has led the charge in our uh, weekly Project Pat segment, and uh, <laughs> so I, I think we're we're still we we had some uh, some hiccups on the way there. Like I, I think we did lose a little bit of faith here and there, but I think we're I think we're still in on him. I think I, I think that's kind of one of the other elements too is that if the Bulls do decide to go down that route where, and it doesn't seem like there's any indication they will, but go down that route where DeMar or Zach 
you know, gets moved or, you know, whoever else, like that would really open up the chance for Patrick Williams to take on the type of volume he needs to really see if we can, you know, if he can be that type of guy. Yeah, he needs to do it um, with or without DeMar and Zach on the team. Yeah. There's opportunities and he needs to seize those opportunities and show us that he can do it before clearing, you know, the deck for him to be able to do it. Yeah, I think it comes down to like so I, I'm a big I'm a big Pat like believer. So like I still think he has he's shown at the very minimum at this stage he's shown he's a plus he's a plus defender and he can shoot the ball and like I think we've seen some small flashes of his maybe on ball creation maybe even a one two dribble pull up move that he's kind of done. There's something there with that. I think he can maybe develop more. I to your point, I think he just. There has to be a time where he just needs to be more selfish. And when he gets the ball, he's like, you know what? I'm not giving this up because I have a matchup here that I could take an advantage of and just take it instead of, okay, well, I'm going to move the ball to DeMar or move the ball to Zach because, you know, I just need to keep my place on the order of the team or something like that. So it does come down to a little bit where he just needs to be a little more selfish and just kind of be like, I'm going to take this shot right here. Uh, it's my opportunity, and it, it is what it is at that point. I don't think he, and I think he showed that. That's what I'm speaking to in the second half of the season a lot more. Um, but you know what, guys, it's a lot easier for me to say that. <laughs> I'm not the 21 year old, 22 year old out there playing with Demar Derozan. <laughs> you know, right, right. so that's not an easy task for him, I imagine. Right, and it seems too is funny. Like, he, like you hear. DeMar say how he's going to curse him out for passing him shots, too. So there has to be some kind of, like, in his Pat's mind, too, is like, I can't pass up these shots. I can't pass up these opportunities that, you know, I'm getting, especially on nights when offense seems to be such a big problem for the Bulls. It's like, you know, like you said, to your point, he I, I did, like, a little bit more aggressiveness. I think some of the stuff he probably uh, – what we saw is he just had some tough shooting nights because, like, there were nights that he was, like, the, the aggressiveness was there, but he just, for one reason or another, couldn't connect on some of the shots that he normally would make, especially when on those a lot of those pull-up mid-range jumpers. So hopefully, like, that just continues into this coming season. Um, I don't know. This, it's funny you talk about that Pro-Am thing. Like, the only thing I really took away is, like, maybe he looks a little leaner. Yeah, I I was like kind of looking at that. Like, <laughs> see, <laughs> I mean, like he's going half speed against like and the pro am league. I mean, I, I'm glad like he's going half speed and still like dominating. That's a positive. Like, there's no Denzel Valentine moment where yeah. he's going in there getting cooked yeah. uh, by guys that should that aren't NBA players. So that's good. Uh, I like that's the only thing I thought looked at is like I think he looks leaner. That could be good if he is leaner a little more you know, agile on his feet, that could be helpful for next season. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, we're, we have plenty more like project pad updates coming this off season. I'm sure like it's, it's going to be a big yeah. year for him, like contract year. I hopefully he gets extended as well. Um, Darnell, like we, we wanted to, we want to move into the uh, presser after the draft. And I think it had a, a little bit of a different, well, maybe a little bit of a different mood based on the fact that the Bulls did actually do something. So probably didn't face as much scrutiny as he potentially could have if the Bulls just had a draft night where, you know, we saw Orlando picking the top uh, pick at, at uh, number 11 with the Bulls pick and, you know, seeing the Bulls do nothing. So that probably would have sucked. But um, looking at some of the, the key things that uh, AK talked about in this presser and, of course, the uh, the Vooch, uh, Vooch's future with the uh, Chicago Bulls was discussed, and he said that extensions always were currently ongoing. And you know, of course, he was asked about uh, you know how the trade has worked out so far, and you know, you're not you're not really going to expect the GM to say that you know he messed up and you know shouldn't have made the trade. So of course, he you know said set us on the path of winning, and you know you know he's been a big part of that. So. What do you think about what do you think about Vooch going forward? I, I think there are rumors out that the Bulls are going to potentially bring him back on a on a three year deal around I think sixty million I believe was the rumor out there. But 
Um, he's still a very good player, and if, if the Bulls let him walk, they don't really have anything behind him that could replace any any ounce of that production. So they're they're kind of in a bind here because if they still want to compete, then you kind of have to bring back Vooch. So, like, what are your thoughts on what they're potentially going to do with Vooch, and is bringing him back the right call? Yeah, I don't think it is, but I think that's what they feel like they have to do. Mm. Um, And I question, I think I'm the only one still questioning whether it's actually going to happen and whether Vooch actually wants to be here. Um, You know, there's all kinds of counter arguments you can make, uh, how many teams need a center, how many teams can afford him, that sort of thing. And all I know from years of covering this league is all it takes is one. Yes. Um, And, and, and Vooch is still, as you mentioned, a very um, quality player, high-quality, high-caliber player um, who does a lot of things well. Um, and he's not the worst player to have back. I just think if you're bringing him back, you're committing to this continuity uh, pursuit that you just you can't let go of for whatever reason, and that's, to me, pretty silly at this point. Yeah, like the Vooch conversation, it it, it is – it is tough to your point, like the continuity, like I've, I'm pretty much done with the big three as well. Like they have to be broken up in some capacity, but at the same time, it you kind of look at the market out there and wonder what could happen. Like for me, I wouldn't extend Vooch right away. Like what I would do is tell him, like if, if there's a, if there's a dollar amount that he thinks he's worth, like, see if a team will give that. And to your point, said, yeah, there's always one team. But it seems the teams that would be able to give him that so-called dollar amount, they're all pretty much bad teams. Um, and if his, if he so uh, – to, to our understanding, he wants to be part of a playoff team. Like, that's one of his things that he's continuously said. Uh, the other factor, I think the Bull gives the Bulls a little bit of leverage in negotiation – as he kind of talked about his family, you know, how they're settled into Chicago. Um, he just had a kid that came not too long ago. So maybe that gives the Bulls a little bit of leverage. But, like, I would kind of – it would worry me if they gave him a three-year, three-year deal guaranteed uh, for, for without really doing a negotiation and seeing with other – what what other teams could actually – be willing to give him that kind of commitment. They, I think they they have to play a little bit of hardball here with him, don't you think? I would. I mean, I would try to sign and trade. I wouldn't even try to bring him back. So, like the premise, I just don't, <laughs> yeah, can't sure. Like, what is the point of what are they trying to do? Are they trying yeah. to win season, be the eighth seed again? I mean, like, what is bringing Vooch back and bringing this core back do? So. Fundamentally, like that's why I'm so excited about this free agency period because AK can say what he wants, and at this point, he's speaking out of both sides of his of his mouth, uh, saying he's going to re-sign everyone and then also target yeah. point guard and shooters. Like it's impossible mm-hmm. to do both. Um, you know, like I don't understand what their mission is for next season. I just think it's smarter for them to take a step back um, and not try to run this thing back and and expect a different result. How would would you be surprised at all if they went and did something like traded DeMar? Because I find it curious that of all the conversations we've had about this, the core or whatever, the continuity aspect of the team, they're not having really any conversation about DeMar. There's no rumors popping up that they're trying to see if they can get an extension done with him. You come in on the last year of his deal, like, that seems like to me going into this off season, like, okay, they're probably going to move DeMar because especially when they talk about improving the shot or quality of the, the, the shot profile of the team uh, to have more shooting around, obviously DeMar comes up as the main culprit of the lack of three point shooting because he mostly takes mid range shots. Like would that surprise you at all? Or is that almost just like the same thing? I have no clue. Like there's more questions than answers there. Yeah, nothing would surprise me. Whichever direction they go at this point, I don't think they want to trade Demar uh, because it's been he's been so good in his two years here. 
um, yeah. and it makes their their deal for him look pretty good. Um, but but at the same time, you know, you mentioned the shot profile. Um, they're they're not going to be able to drastically change that as long as Demar is on the team. Um, and and then also Demar is just a professional who likes to keep his his affairs on the low before anyone, you know, we didn't think DeMar was coming to Chicago. So um, who knows what's going to happen with him, but um, AK is notorious for dragging things out and he's developed a reputation at this point, whether it was the the Billy Donovan hiring, uh, you know, that took a long time. Laurie Markin and sign and trade took a long time. Um, You know, all of these, you're seeing the the rookie contract extensions. They're they're being pushed into restricted free agency. Uh, a lot of them, rightfully so. But a, a lot of these deals take a little bit of time for for whatever reason. And I just think that's a part of uh, Arturis the way he works. And so maybe we're going to see that again with Demar Derozan. I'm pretty sure he's not going to want to play on the final year of his contract and um, you know not have any security, but. Maybe that's going to be the best thing for him long term if he can go into unrestricted free agency. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So, so do you think there's like a slight, still kind of a well, not even slight chance, but still a reasonable chance that we're looking at a potential overhaul in the off season? I mean, based on you know just what your what your opinion is, they could easily let Vooch walk or do a sign and trade. Demar is movable as we know on an expiring deal and i'm sure there are contenders that would want him um still a a 20 point per game score very easily and i I think zach would really be the biggest domino to fall uh we, we were speculating on the last show about how much the bradley beal market could potentially influence teams to move over to zach levine if they're looking for a a, a all-star caliber guard who can put up some points for them. Uh, it, it, how do you see that market playing? I, I think there were some rumors that, you know, Zach's name has been attached to the Knicks before, but I think there were some rumors that Zach wouldn't want to go there. So uh, who, who knows what teams would specifically be interested in the trade value could be all over the place. But is that a domino that you think is realistic to, to fall this off season of Zach Levine? Uh, being moved? Uh, I think every time it comes up, I give it more and more validity. Um, But it's just, I think a lot of other pieces have to fall first before Zach Levine. And the main one, obviously, Damian Lillard. Hmm. Um, And once that happens and teams know, you know, the compensation and where he might go, where he might not go, you know, he might stay in Portland but then maybe someone else on that roster becomes available. So there's some things that I think have to play out before the league turns its attention to Zach Levine. But that, that I think it could be one of the uh, things in play with this, with this whole discussion that the bulls may or may not be having with Zach uh, surrounding Zach Levine is that other teams may just not want to be able to give up what AK is requiring. And if that's the case, I think, to put it, you know, bluntly, they're stuck with him. Yeah, I think the Zach conversation, it's just all over the place because I, I do think as far as what people view him as is maybe a little underrated in a sense because I think he's a better player than what a lot of teams around the league would probably want to give up for him because you're seeing the conversation as far as the Bulls wanting what a young player and then like draft capital. So like probably like they want like three first round picks for him. Um I think the what we're hearing for other teams are offering are more close to like a matching contract and maybe a first, if you will. So I think that right there kind of shows you the 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 problem where you have where teams around the league are not going to want to give up that same Donovan Mitchell or even like a DeJounte Murray type of package for Zach. So it kind of becomes to a point where it would be pretty shocking at this point to see Zach traded unless someone surprisingly does end up having that offer at this point, right? 
Yeah, and I again, I just don't see them getting the haul that they think they probably should get. Um, you know, Zach is a tremendous player, but you know, if he's hasn't been able to prove that he can lead this team to winning, why would another team sell the farm to go get him? Uh, that that wouldn't line up in my mind. Yeah, it it, it just seems like I, I I think some of the criticism around Zach is fair. But it, it just seems like he's always, like he, he's always chasing. Well, maybe not him per se, but like there's always like a new narrative that he has to kind of kill, and it just constantly, I think, affects his value around the league. So, it, it, with these type of deals potentially dropping soon, it, it seems like Zach would probably be one of the first to really be the type of player that if he does get traded, it's not going to be moved, moved for a ton. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how, uh, Zach Levine's, uh, future in Chicago ends up playing out this off season. I, I think to me, I, I think it's still likely that he's probably stays, but I mean, like you said, you never know when all it really takes is one team sometimes, like depending on what happens with Damian Lillard, there may be a team that looks over to Zach Levine and wants to make an impact. I don't know, but it, it, and, and it, I think, I'm sorry to cut you off. I do think yeah. at some point the, the Bulls just want to get off that money. That's a lot yeah. of money to be paying him uh, in, the, in the third, fourth uh, year of that deal. And and so even with the cap going up, I mean, that's I think it's going to be prohibitive if he's not clearly, um, you know, your best player who can lead you deep into the playoffs. So um, that that's a, a massive problem for the Bulls if – um, they if they're unable to build other pieces around them. Yeah, let me let me ask you this while we're on that on that topic of the cap. There was a question that uh, AK received about whether a team would you know ever pay the luxury tax going forward in the future, and uh, AK said that he has received permission from the Rizor to go into a luxury tax. Granted, if it's if a team if it's a team that is like a top fourish team in in the East, so kind of like a contender. And I, I think fans are always skeptical given the team's historical stance on paying the luxury tax. Like, I think they've only done it one time in the last uh, – since Reinsdorf has actually owned the team, they've only done it once. And I think it was the year uh, – I think it was like was it the the year after Derrick Rose tore his ACL, I think. I think they had to pay like a little bit of luxury tax on that team. But, no. yeah. So, do you – Darnell, do you buy – do you buy that the, the luxury tax isn't really a concern for this team long-term and that they would pay the tax for a contender? Or do you think it's kind of smoke and mirrors? Because I, I think that's one of the things that for me has always really stood in the way of, of this, of like the Chicago Bulls is that we don't know how far they would actually go to have a winning team. Like it seems like they always want to win only if it's extremely convenient and not to really pay the tax. So do you buy AK's comments that he, you know, he's received the go-ahead from Reinsdorf to potentially pay the luxury tax one day if the team is top four-ish in the East, I guess? Yeah, I buy it because, I mean, it's a chicken or egg argument. You look at their history in the tax, but look at the teams that they've filled it in the history of the tax and the repeater tax. I mean, how many of those teams were actually tax-worthy where they had a chance to win the championships? Not very many, so... um if any, and, you know, after Derrick Rose got hurt. So um, I don't I don't necessarily fault them. I can obviously see the other side of that where, say, people can say go into the tax and give yourself a chance by fielding the best team you can. Um, but, you know, if you just look at some of these rosters since 2000, they, they've been a long way off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um Wanted to ask you about the pressure in general. Like, do you still feel the feel like when you're speaking with AK and just his his mood on these uh, interviews, like he just kind of doesn't want to be there? Yeah, yeah he's just kind of like slouching. The body language is just off. Like it's like kind of like the Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here not to get fined <laughs> type of uh, thing. Exactly. It just I still get that feeling from him. Like Mark Eversley is a little bit more like you know it. His, his body language isn't off. Like, he may not say as much because AK, everyone directing the questions to AK for the most part. But it just, man, this guy still just, like, he just seems like a very unpersonable, 
person. Like, there's not a lot of charisma with him, I feel like. It, it's actually the opposite. Um, you kind of got to be around him to pick up on it. Okay. But he has a very dry sense of humor. And half the time, he's sitting up there trying not to laugh. If you, like, really look, I don't know if you guys can see it on video or how you're consuming okay. it, but... You know, if you pay close attention, you can see that he's he's cracking smiles. Uh, he's deferring to, to Eversley and joking about it and, um, you know, taking shots at us, saying that you know we've all written about how he needs to get to work, so he's going to do it this week. And so, so he's having fun with it. It's just his delivery is so dry that it's hard to – it's really hard to, to pick up on it. Fair enough. You know, I, th- I did find one thing interesting – Kind of like a differing from like you know because they've they've talked about drafting players based on talent and not necessarily need or fit for the team um, as of yet. But then Mark Eversley mentioned with the Julian Phillips pick that DJJ opting out kind of maybe factored into it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like I know they couldn't comment directly on whether they were going to bring back DJJ on a new deal because obviously he's a free agent now. So do you feel like Julian Phillips might have actually been a, a DJJ replacement more so than just flat out being, hey, we think this guy is talented, so we want to take him? Um, there's nothing that says it can't be both. Yeah. Um, and I think we often want things to be either or, black and white, but um, look, Derrick Jones Jr. fulfilled the role nicely for this team, uh, provided a lot of solid contributions. And if they felt like that's a prototype that they could plug in, uh, and oh, by the way, this guy was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, could have been a first-round pick easily. Um, you know, that those things both can possibly be true, and I don't think, like, you know, it has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it he he's he's he definitely feel he definitely feels that type of role but i do like that you know when we were talking about how ak has a type even though all these players are very similar in nature like i do like that they're all very different as well too like dalen coming out of college was more of like a passer kind of playmaker real high energy julian phillips you know more lockdown defender covers a lot of space uh like Justin Lewis feels like a, a little bit more physical, like Patrick Williams kind of a, a little bit more high upside, I think can do a lot more off the dribble. So uh, I, I like what they have going on potentially with like all of this size and versatility that they have in these young players. So uh, Phillips definitely may represent a little bit of both, uh, like you said, in terms of fulfilling need and also getting a good talent, because like you said, he was one of the top recruits uh, in the country at, at one point and was mocked pretty high at one point. Uh, didn't really have a bad season at Tennessee, but uh, you know, getting a player in that range in the early second round, I think, is pretty solid overall. Uh, as we kind of wrap, I wanted to get your kind of like thoughts on uh, just what we can potentially expect in terms of you know uh, bringing back some of our own free agents in terms of like Kobe White, in terms of Io Desumu. Uh AK did say that he is going to tender uh, qualifying offers to both, so. Uh, they will be able to match contracts for them. Do you see a scenario where either Io or Kobe is let go? And it's I, I think one of the fears we have is that trying to keep this team together could result in like one young player leaving in restricted free agency. But do you suspect that they'll both be back potentially? Before I ask, I, I'd like to know from both of you, <laughs> Uh, if you only keep one, which one would you keep? Ooh, I'd have Kobe. to be Kobe for yeah, me. Kobe. Yeah, um, I, I, I like. I know, I know. There was uh, Kobe's always kind of been polarized because obviously, always whenever you're selecting the top ten, you, your expectations of what you are supposed to become uh, are higher. But I think at some point, like for me personally, I I, I stop paying attention to where they're selected and I start paying attention. Okay, can this player? at least become an NBA player where you expect them to be in this league for a while. And I felt like as far as development concerned, not this past season, but the towards the end of the season before last, I started seeing 
these improvements from Kobe, like with his transition defense, even on like on screen navigations, I started seeing improvements there. Um, I think just with his, there was other tweaks that he needed to make. And then going into this last off season, we saw how hard he worked on his ball handling, uh, decision-making. And then this season, I felt like he kind of figured out how to be a professional uh, when your minutes are going to be inconsistent, learning how to come in and make an impact on, on like small usage, small lower minutes. And I think he's at that cusp where he kind of figured out how to be a pro now. And next season, if he gets a bigger role opportunity, it's going to be his breakout season. So definitely for me, it's Kobe. It's, I would, I would prioritize keeping him um, and not, that's not a negative against IO personally, but I just, this, this, his type of game and like everything I've seen from him as more of a two-way player to me, Kobe is the guy you keep. Yeah. I, I will pile, I will pile onto that. I, I think it's, I think it's Kobe pretty easily, even though it would suck to lose IO, especially if we're trying to run all of us back. So uh, yeah, it, it, gun to my head, it's Kobe White. It, my question is how much that is going to cost the Bulls? I mean, how much could it cost right. the Bulls? You know, if they're trying to bring back uh, a lot of their free agents and also trying to go out and get shooting, maybe they look at Kobe and re-signing Kobe or retaining Kobe as their uh, way of addressing shooting. I, I hope they don't say that publicly because <laughs> it's just me saying it. <laughs> That's not going to fly. Um so, you know, but but the I.O. situation, I just can't forget what he did as a rookie going into the Boston Garden, guarding mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, I think one game he went 10 for 10 that night. Um, so he did a lot as a rookie that when to me, when you get a second round still like that, you don't you don't let him go uh, easily. And they put themselves in the situation with all these other additions these high price additions to where now it's a it's a real squeeze it that they're facing but uh i i want to believe them when they say that they want to resign these guys but then at the same time um they didn't draft kobe um kobe's been in and out of the rotation i mean look look at last year he was splitting minutes with goran Dragic at the start yeah. of the season and it's like i don't know if they value kobe white the way another team might value him um, if they've done their homework, because I agree with you, Celine, that he's on the verge, he's on the cusp of something. How good, we don't know, but I do think that he's on the on the verge of breaking out and really coming into his own. We saw that in the second half of the season, sort of like we, we saw a little bit with Patrick Williams. So um, I think the Bulls would be um, wise to try to do with everything they can to keep both of them, and if they lose one or both, uh, it's going to probably look bad moving forward for them. And we're are we looking personally at- for me? I'll say this: I'll be mad if they lose like a young player and they're like replacing them um, to sign. Like, let's say if they wanted to go get like some veteran that's like thirty plus years old to help them try to win now, and they lost Io because of that, that would make me mad. <laughs> like, I'm like you're losing or, young or guys. Traded, yeah, or they traded some of these, you know, like packaged a lot of these young guys and took on yeah. someone else's contract to try to continue to win now or you know who knows with this front office man you don't know right. what they're thinking which direction they're going and that's why i say i'm so excited that it's finally here so we can see what they do yeah i i think for me like just to echo everything salim said but it, it definitely seemed like the game slowed down for kobe white last season and there's still so much to unlock as far as off the dribble opportunities and even just a curiosity of whether Kobe White can ever be a, a 40% three-point shooter on a consistent basis. Like, I think we still see him kind of up and down. He's still kind of a street shooter, even though he's really good in those catch-and-shoot opportunities. But I'm really curious if he can make that type of offensive jump where we see him become, like, a really premium three-point shooter at high volume. Because I, I, I think if he does that, when we're talking about something very different. So, uh, if is all of this, like you mentioned, price earlier? Are we expecting Kobe White to come in at like MLE money or a little bit over? And we're are we expecting Io to come in maybe a little bit less than Kobe? So I mean, if, if that's the case, then I really do hope that they 
keep them because I think both of these contracts could look like steals in the future. And I think with Io, like he didn't take a jump last year, but I think there's still better basketball ahead from him. And like you said, Darnell, we've seen him just look fearless at times as a rookie and, you know, just playing really smart basketball, having a great feel for the game. So I, I think there's still even more to unlock with him. So, like, potentially Io is a two-way player. Kobe's improved his defense, his team defense a lot. Who knows? Maybe he could be a two-way player as well. So I, I just don't think you can let him go. But, like, price-wise, what are, price-wise, what are you expecting with them? I was going to write an article at The Athletic earlier uh, this off season about Kobe White's projected, not projected, but you know, sort of my take on it. And I didn't write it cause I was going to look silly. Um, <laughs> just how much he could probably command in this summer. And then I actually talked to someone and they were like, yeah, it's probably a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it could be a lot again, if a team, um, really values him and really thinks that he can come in and there's a lot of untapped potential. Like I think of the three of us, uh, all see, then then they could go in and, and really bet on him becoming their starting point guard of the future. Uh, I think you can get Ayo Desumu for a lot cheaper and and retain him. That's and between his defensive ability, uh, his size at the position, uh, and and also his his ability to to play make and and hold guys accountable like Demar Derozan and Vucevic. Um, you know, I, I really like Io's future and I think he's if we're talking cost uh and, and everything in terms of value uh, between the two of them I I'd probably go Io mm, um okay I, I just of what I see from him on both end, ends of the floor um and the size at the position and the way he's uh fearless as such a young player I think that he's got a lot of room for growth and you're going to get him you know cheaper than you would Resigning Kobe probably. Yeah, I'll say this about Io too. I think he, as the season progressed last year, he kind of lost confidence in himself. He just was second guessing himself a lot of times, passing up shots. Um, you saw when he started that we thought he had turned that corner with the shooting. Um, like he started out really well with a lot of the spot up catch and shoot opportunities that he got, and then I think when he started missing some, he started just kind of, like I said, his confidence. He just lost confidence in himself. Um, as an archetype, I'd love for him to. I know uh, he's been around the league for a long time, but Pat Bev would be a perfect archetype for Io. Like, look at him and how he plays. Uh, if he could kind of emulate that type of game, I know it's obviously sometimes easier said than done, especially when the stuff what Pat Bev's been through in his career and how he's worked hard to get himself to that level and, and his peak if you will, but that would be the ideal scenario for Io, and I think that could still be possible, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking at a lot higher ceiling than Patrick Beverly, and that's no disrespect to Patrick yeah. Beverly. Mm-hmm. I saw flashes of Russell Westbrook in Io DeSumo's rookie season, and I covered Russell Westbrook as a rookie. Like There were very much the way Io gets downhill, the way Guys like Jalen Brown uh, had trouble staying in front of him. I mean, th- that's explosiveness, a burst, a first step. Um, it's not Russell Westbrook-like, but um, similar effect, similar result, where guys just couldn't stay in front of him. Uh, he makes the right play uh, when he's on driving kicks. Uh, he's not a bad shooter, spot-up situation. So uh, all of those things are going to get better if he's – given the opportunity. Um, I think a lot of his confidence might have been rattled because he was being yo-yoed in and out of the lineup. You know, they benched he and uh, Patrick Williams, what was that, right around the all-star break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, those things have an impact on a young player. As, as I said earlier, Kobe White went through it uh, when he was a, a rookie and a second-year player as well. There were times when he couldn't barely bring the ball up the floor. Uh, and, you know, people wanted to run him out of town. And now, you know, it's interesting. Both of you are saying Kobe White, not even close. We got to keep Kobe. <laughs> uh, so, and so that's kind of what I see in Io. I just think he needs the opportunity. Yeah. Thing, things change quickly. Um, 
yeah, <laughs> as sure. we know, uh, we we were we were celebrating Lowry marketing getting traded, and uh, a year later we were uh, <laughs> wondering what is actually going on. Lowry did some shots in Chicago, and that was his problem. He couldn't make yeah. open shots in Chicago. And there's nothing the Bulls did in that. I'm convinced there was not the Bulls in that case. Lowry marketing didn't take shots, open shots in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of mixed stuff, I think. Like I said, I, I, I prefer to keep both Ion and Kobe. I just, it would be a mistake to let either of them go. Yeah. And that's definitely something I could see biting them in the long run if they let either of those young guys go for, like, marginal improvements that they could make with some of these veterans that they may be interested in going after. Yeah, I, I think you have to keep them just in case, like, if they are trying to compete this year and it – go south again then you're looking probably at a rebuild at the trade deadline and you want to still have those young players so uh yeah i, I think you have to keep them so hopefully that we're not in a situation where we lose either yeah. one of them unless they just get like some irresponsible contract but again as you said Darnell, it only takes one team and as a as nba free agency has showed us a lot of times it is very surprising what teams are interested in specific players. So, I mean, who knows what happens with, happens with Vooch? Who knows what happens with Kobe and Io? Like, it, it's really anyone's game. Like, for all we know, it's going to be some really bad team that really wants Vooch and <laughs> they will pay him, like, this really great contract. So, we'll, we'll see what happens in free agency. But, but, Darnell, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and all your thoughts on uh, the Bulls, especially on the draft. Uh, our listeners definitely know where they can uh, read your work at, but can you let them know uh, what you have uh, coming up as we approach free agency and uh, just everything there, everything that you're uh, working on? Look at some shooters and some point guards that the Bulls could target here in the offseason uh, as free agency gets underway. Uh, and then some more stories on Julian Phillips. He's supposed to meet the media mm-hmm. on Sunday. So we're going to talk to – the Bulls rookie, the 35th overall pick, and see what he has to say for himself. I hear he's a, a jovial guy, a funny character, so so I'm, I'm hoping he uh, is not too nervous or uh, caught off by the moment, caught off guard by the moment, and, and opens up and lets us see his personality. Dalen Terry was like that at his introductory press conference. He didn't just open up and, and be himself, so uh, I think he was just nervous as all get out. But, but hopefully Julian Phillips opens up on Sunday and we can uh, – report back with some good stuff yeah we kind of want to see more like bobby portis uh rookie press conference with the uh <laughs> with, with the donuts uh <laughs> that that was a that was a memorable one a great personality but yeah definitely looking forward to uh to seeing what you're you're writing on uh phillips and all of the uh, free agency uh happenings that are coming with the chicago bulls Celine, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up man yeah uh yeah, let's see what happens in free agency. I definitely hear Darnell when he says, as far as cost between Kobe and Io, and it may just come down to that because yeah. Kobe, uh, sorry, Io will be uh, less costly for them on, on as far as what the numbers look like on the contract. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping they're that AK is, you know, true to what he's saying as far as really going into free agency, making moves to change up the 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 roster and not just do some more continuity stuff um, as far as what he wants to do with the the rest of the roster construction. But yeah, for that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much to Darnell. I love his work. I love the money talks uh, stuff that he's doing. Obviously that's important to learn uh, financial literacy. You know, there's a lot of issues out there as far as, um, you know, that we talk about and, and as, as, a lot of different people have a lot of what do you call it the um disadvantages that they grew up with but a lot of times one of this is those disadvantages are not getting that education um and that's where a lot of that you know inequity comes from the the lack of knowing the the, the, the economic side of the various things and that's really cool that you, the, what you're doing out there with that so just want to give you props for that as well yeah absolutely appreciate that thank you all right thank you again to to darnell mayberry for for coming on bulls gold 
As always, you can catch our past shows on the Barroom Network wherever you get your podcast. For Salim Sulawala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.